Peter, 1 Peter chapter number 2. We'll get back there tonight, see what the Lord's got for us. All right, 1 Peter chapter number 2, if I can find it here, I think it's still in my Bible. Y'all ever have a hard time with that? I, uh, I know it's there somewhere, <laughs> I could just find it. It's like sometimes somebody takes it out, uh, but uh, <laughs> anyways, I have I have taken my Bible and I'll be fl- I flip and flip and flip and I'm like, well, I thought I knew where that book was, and uh, oh well, sometimes the pages will stick together and you'll miss some of them, like First John, you know, it's on or Jude or books like that. But uh, anyways, First Peter chapter number two tonight. And uh, when you find your place, let's stand all over the house tonight for the reading of the Word of God. First Peter chapter number 2. I'm going to read several verses here, and uh, we'll get into the message tonight. The Bible says in verse number 1, 1 Peter chapter 2, says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, uh, you know, we've, we've went through these verses and, and looked at some things, and, and I think it's interesting between verse 1 and verse number 2, uh, we are to replace num- verse number 1 with verse number 2. In other words, all of those old selfish desires that you had, all of those old actions, uh, we are to replace them with a desire not to build ourselves up, not to uh, to do all of those things that pertain to us, but we're to take those, those things like malice and guile, hypocrisies, envies, evil speakings, and we take all of them and re- we replace them with a desire for God's word. And so uh, verse number four says this, to whom coming as unto a a living stone disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, an holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner." and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. And uh, I wanted to read all of those verses as kind of a Um, an overview or a brief review of what we've been looking at for the past three weeks. And uh, tonight's message is going to center on the last uh, five verses or the last four verses there. And I wanted to read all of those just to kind of put it all together in context. And we've been looking at the subject of the progress of a healthy Christian over the past three weeks. And 
And we've taken those messages out of these eight verses. And so we're going to, tonight, Lord willing, we're going to conclude this thought of the progress of a healthy Christian. And uh, if you've been keeping notes or or you've been here, you know that we began by looking at how uh, the Christian should depart daily. And we got that from verse number one, where the Bible gives us some things that we are to depart from. And uh, our already read them uh, tonight, but you've got malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings. And what, what those are, are the actions of the old man. Uh, the actions of the old carnal nature. And, uh, and so we have to depart from these things every single day. Some days are better than others. And uh, just because you're saved, we saw this on Sunday night, just because you're saved does not mean you don't sin. And uh, we're not perfect, unfortunately. We have some people that act like they are, but they're not. And, uh, and uh, I hate it. I, I don't think any of y'all think you're perfect. But uh, I've met some people that did. You could tell by the way that they acted. They didn't do any wrong. And uh, they always did everything right. And, you know, you better be wary of somebody like that. But anyways, the Christian ought to depart daily. We ought to take those natures of the old man and set them to the side, get away from them. And we are to, instead of of taking part in those things, not only do we depart from those things, but we dine daily. We depart daily from some things and then we dine daily on what? The word of God. Every believer should dine every day on the word of God. A genuine believer, according to scripture here, will desire the word of God as a newborn babe desires milk. And so, amen. Ain't nothing I can really add to that. It says what it says. And uh, God says what he says. He means what he says. And, and um, amen. We ought to desire the word of God. Now, thirdly, and this is what we're going to look at tonight, is uh, we're going to look at how we must not only depart daily, but we are to dine daily. But then thirdly, as part of the growth of a healthy Christian, we are to dedicate daily. Dedicate daily. And uh, the progress of a healthy Christian, depart daily. Yeah, I'm, I'm intentionally repeating all of this. I ain't just trying to take up time. I, I want us to, I want to get it in your heads. I want you to remember we die, we depart daily, we dine daily, and then we dedicate daily. The Christian life boils down to whether or not we love the Lord. Yeah. It's not as much about our work as it is our worship. It's not about what we do, but what we are devoted to. Think about the lessons we can learn from Mary and Martha, for example. And uh, Luke chapter number 10, verse 38, and on it says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Jesus answered her and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. 
But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Now, I can imagine this scene because I can relate to Martha. I get it. We're busy. We're doing things. But could you imagine, could you imagine a child or somebody, you know, going up to Martha a week after this event or two weeks after this event? You mean you had Jesus in your house? How was it? You know, I was talking this past Sunday, Miss Dawn sung that song about being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, not missing the Holy Ghost, not missing the presence of God. And you think about this. Martha was completely missing the presence of God because she was so busy. And I could just imagine a week later, two weeks after this, Martha, you mean you had Jesus in your ass? How was it? And her answer have to be, oh, I don't know. I was busy taking care of business. I didn't actually get to talk to him. I was in his presence, but I was too busy cooking and, and, and waiting on everybody. I really didn't get to hang out with him that much. And you know, how I can relate to that. I can relate to that. And uh, we all get busy doing the right things. Y'all catch that. We all get busy doing the right things. But busier Christians don't make better Christians. Mary chose the good part. Martha's over here thinking she's just being lazy. I mean, she looks at the, the only interaction she had with Jesus right there was, Jesus, don't you care? Tell her to get up and help me. I mean, can you just put yourself there and see? I can. Imagination. It's a wonderful thing. But can you just imagine that? But what does Jesus say about the whole thing? Mary chose the good part, which could not be taken away from her. What was Mary doing? She was spending time with Jesus. She was spending time quality time she was uh, spending quality time at the feet of Jesus worshiping him and that was so much more important than anything else that was going on in that house that day it was more important than the dirty dishes it was more important than the vacuum and that may have been okay they probably didn't do it okay I, I gotta think with my head though okay that was more important than the yard getting mowed it was more important and, and, you know, I can't help but think, you know, people, they don't come to church. They miss church services because of things like this. Well, the laundry was piling up. I had to get it done sometime. Oh, the, 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 <laughs> I had to go grocery shopping. It was the only night I could go. My, my yard had to be mowed. It's going to rain the next two days. I just had to. Well, you made your decision. And according to the words of Jesus, you've chosen the opposite of the good part. And like I said, we can all, I mean, mowing the yard ain't a sin. Going grocery shopping ain't a sin. Washing dishes ain't a sin. Washing clothes ain't a sin. But anything you put in front of God, 
or you elevate it as of something more important than God, you've just created something that's harmless into a sin. And we do it all the time. We do it all the time. Like I said, busier Christians don't make better Christians. But listen to me, good worshipers make good workers, though. Yeah, they sure do. And so... I want to share with you three points tonight from these verses on the thought of dedicating ourselves daily. We must dedicate daily. It's part of growing as a Christian. It's, it's, it's the progress of a healthy Christian. And so I want you to notice, first of all, in verse 4 and 5, we are beloved of Christ. We are beloved of Christ in verse number four, the Bible says, To whom coming, as unto a, li a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, unholy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now, there is so many ways and so many applications we can make with this verse. I'm just trying to stay on track tonight and not keep us for two hours. And so... Peter's picture here is that God is building a spiritual temple. What is that spiritual temple? That's, that's, what it, that's what it means by the wording, a spiritual house. And what is he using to make up uh, this spiritual house? He's using lively stones. That is Christians. And those who have come to the ultimate living stone. Who, who's that talking about? It's Jesus Christ. All right? And so he's building a spiritual house using lively stones by the living stone. Does that make sense? Now, Jesus is first called the living stone. Then we are called, as Christians, lively stones. We live because we are connected with him. And he is the source of life. There would be no lively stones without the living stone. And so John MacArthur wrote this. He said to be living stones means that, uh, or lively stones means that believers have the eternal life of Christ. They are united with him, which is their first spiritual privilege. They do not just worship him, obey him, and pray to him. They are united with him as stones in a spiritual building of which he is the chief cornerstone. Now go home and meditate on that. It'll help you. We are united with him. The spiritual house only exists because of the living stone that is the cornerstone. And then we're all a bunch of little stones that make it up. When you think of what God has done for us, when you think of how he has united us with him, when you think of how he has saved our souls from hell, when you think of all the many blessings, all of the answered prayers, I'm just going to be real with you. It, it, it really should not be hard for us to love him. It really shouldn't. You know, has anybody ever loved you more than God? Absolutely not. Right. We don't even, let me just put it this way, we don't even love ourselves as much as God loves us. So, since we all know the answer to 
that question, then shouldn't we be devoted to the one who loves us the most? We should. We should dedicate ourselves every day to God. 1 John 3, 1 through 3 says this, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Yes. Nobody loves you like Jesus does. We certainly are beloved in Jesus Christ. If we, I mean, you just think about everything. The Bible tells us uh, there that we love Him because He first loved us. And we would not even we would have no love if it hadn't first been for God. We would have no life without God. Amen. As the song says, we couldn't even walk if He wasn't first holding our hand. You know what, this morning, I mean, you may think that alarm clock is what woke you up, but I promise you it wasn't. Without God, you would not have gotten up this morning, alarm clock or not. Without God, we wouldn't be alive right now. Without God, we wouldn't have this place to come and worship Him. Without God, we wouldn't have His precious Word to read. Without His love, there'd be no church. He's loved us so much. And so... Moving on with that theme, we are not only beloved, but uh, we are not only beloved of Christ, but we are built through the church. We're built through the church. Look at what verse six and seven says. It says, "Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture: Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, there, <clears throat> unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious." But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Now, if we are being built into a spiritual house, there is no doubt who our chief cornerstone is. Even though men rejected Jesus, he has become the chief cornerstone in the work of building the church. Now, the Catholic church believes Peter is the foundation of the church, but it's not. Jesus is the foundation of the church. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the foundation upon which everything is built. And the cornerstone is laid in the foundation at an angle of the building where two sides form together. And the construction of the building uses this cornerstone for accuracy and a referral point in the building. And so with Jesus being the chief cornerstone, this is a huge deal. You know what it tells us? It tells us without Christ, there is nothing. And we have people all over the place trying to build a spiritual life without Jesus. We have people trying to build churches without Jesus. And honey, if you don't have him as the chief cornerstone, you have no church. You have no life. Like I said just a minute ago, the only reason we can be lively stones is because we have been made alive through the living stone, which is Jesus. And so we 
have to understand this. And we look around in our day and we see everything that is going on. And it's pitiful. It's pitiful. People, it's pitiful. They just, they try to build everything off of things that don't matter. I mentioned it, I think it, I think it was on Sunday. You can have, people have faith in, I mean, everybody practices faith. Everybody has faith in something. But what that something is makes all the difference. And we've got people building even things that look spiritual. I, I saw a video today of a church, and uh, oh my, my goodness. Uh, they had four speakers there. They all had robes on. It was a, uh, I, I cannot, it was, it was a Canadian uh, Anglican church, I believe. And uh, they all had robes on. And when they introduced themselves, they used their, you know, they made sure to tell everybody what their pronouns were. And the main speaker that morning was a queer woman uh, who identified with the pronouns they, them. And by the way, I said I wasn't going to get on nothing tonight. I was just going to go through here. But by the way, just so y'all know, this pronoun business we got going on in the world today, this pronoun business we got going on even in churches and in our government. The only time you'll find in the Bible where someone announces their pronouns and they go by they or them is a man that was possessed by a legion of demons in Mark chapter 5. I don't think that's a coincidence. And she continued on and, and spent about 10 minutes talking about the fight for equality and the fight for transgender rights. And, and then when she got to her sermon, she went to the book of Exodus and, and talked about Moses. And uh, she said not one thing spiritual. Not one thing. She took the story of Moses and turned it into a story of hope for the queer and transsexual group of people in the world today. And that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Um, I saw another thing this week where, and, and here's my point behind that. This, this place, it's called a church. She's called a minister. They even say the word God. They open up the Bible. But you know what the problem is? They have done all of that without the chief cornerstone. They've done it all without the living stone because they are not lively stones. They have accepted a lie from Satan himself. And you can build a church, you can call yourself a preacher, and you can do all of that. But if you don't have the chief cornerstone, you've missed it all. And that's what we're seeing. Our government now, they offered... I can't remember what, what part of Africa it was. But our country has come down on Africa because in Africa right now, they, po they voted to, you know, make homosexuality against the law. And a majority votes. The majority 
voted, the, the people spoke, and they passed the law. Well, now they're coming under scrutiny from America, and America, while they should be offering them money for medical advances, they should offer them money to help with their military, they should offer them money to help with humanitarian aid. You know what America is doing right now? They are trying to offer them $60 million to advance the LGBTQ agenda in the name of human rights. And if they don't apply this money toward education having to do with that agenda, they don't get any money. And thank God right now, those countries in Africa have stood their ground. As a matter of fact, I saw one man put it like this. He said, America, you just do you and stay where you are. That's where we're at. And I'm ashamed to be part of it. First time I believe I have ever thought about being ashamed of the country I'm in. I love America. But this is ridiculous. God help us. The judgment that is coming toward America is pitiful. It's pitiful. Without the chief cornerstone, you have nothing. That's why our nation's going the way it is. That's why so many churches are going in the direction they are. That's why all these agendas can be preached and they throw out the Word of God and bring in a political agenda. And our president and everybody just falls for it. And, and this guy I was listening to in Africa, he said, he said uh, speaking about America, he said, he said, as far as what you are doing in America... He said, you might as well take your people and take the majority because, by the way, the majority is not gay. The majority is not trans. The majority is not out for this agenda. And, and this guy in Africa, he said, this, this blows my mind how America is taking the minority and they're ruling the majority based on the minority. And he said, as far as America is concerned, they ought to take democracy and go ahead and put it in a wastebasket and throw it off because that's what they're doing. The people have no say-so because of an agenda. And we have to sit back and think, what is this? You think about, I'm on my soapbox, I might as well get done. You think about Pepsi, not Pepsi, but Bud Light and what all they did. They lost $5 billion in one week. But have they give up on it? No. You know why? Because it's not, only, it's not just an agenda anymore. You know what we're seeing? You know what this is? It is a religion. Let me ask you a question. Would you be willing to go bankrupt today for God? Of course you would. Absolutely. Of course you would. You would give up everything that you have for God. Or you ought to. But what pushes that? It's a belief. It's a relig it's religion. It is a dedication to a God or the God on our behalf. 
And so you want to figure out how a company can stand to lose that kind of money and still be pushing that agenda and how our government keeps pushing an agenda that the majority of America doesn't even care for. You know how they're doing it? It's because it is a God to them. They are mere puppets of Satan and they are worshiping their God. It's a scary, scary time. But at the same time, it's looking better because it's looking so bad. I believe God's coming back. It's like I said, uh, like I said Sunday, if we if 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 John, when he wrote the book of First John, when, when when he wrote that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said that they were in the last day then, honey, we've got to be in the final minutes or even seconds of the last day. When we look around and see what's going on. And so, let me get back on my track here. When we think about all of this, people are giving up the church. They are running away from the church. Uh, there's never been a time in history, I read this the other day, there's never been a time in history where people say that they are more spiritual than what they are today. But when you start asking them about God, when you start asking them about church, when they start asking about Christianity, the numbers have never been lower. So we have a spiritual society. As a matter of fact, it's all centered around witchcraft, and I'll just go on from there. But uh, they are spiritual, but they are not Christian. They, they do not believe in God. They do not believe in heaven. They don't believe in hell, but yet they're spiritual. And so... It's amazing uh, when you think about how the church is built, the lively stones, the living stone, the cornerstone. And yet in our day, we have people fleeing from the church more than ever before. And people think they can live without the church. They think, I mean, they think they can live without the influence of a local New Testament church. And how dangerous it is to abandon the very thing that God established to keep us at a right relationship with Him. Christ gave His life for the church. And His love for us and His love for the church should change how we behave. Ephesians chapter 5.25 says this, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. You want to know how to be the best husband possible? Look to Jesus. And look at what all Jesus did for His church. Yeah. Many people today say the church is a body, it's not a building. But listen to me. According to Scripture, it's both. It's both. You want to know how I know that? Because Hebrews chapter 10. Let me read it. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Now how in the world can you assemble together 
and encourage others and exhort others when you're at home on the couch? It's an honest question. It's a fair question. If the church is just a body of believers and it's not a literal building, then well, how do you explain Hebrews 10? Because it's impossible for you to be out here by yourself, sitting in your lonesome, watching a church service on Facebook or on YouTube or on TV. It's impossible to do that and assemble together with other believers and exhort one another. Uh, let me give you another one. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. It says, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Listen, the Bible's clear. While the church is a body of believers, it's also a physical place where the body of believers assemble together. If it wasn't, then again, why does the Bible say we need to know how to behave in the house of God? If there was no physical house to go to, then why, why does that verse exist? I mean, the Lord's gave me plenty of instruction on how to behave in my own home, right? Yeah. So God didn't give the people to build churches. He gave churches to build people. And the church doesn't need you, but you and I need the church. Yes. I talked to somebody this week who's going through a rough time. They don't live around here and they're going through a rough time and they were telling me about some problems they were having and some issues with different things. And, and uh, uh, my question was, well, are you going to church? You need to be in church. You got to be in church. It may seem like a... A kind of, it's not a cop out. We have to have church. It's encouraging for me to come in here every Wednesday night. It's encouraging to be here on Sundays and Sunday night. It's not a drag. It's not boring. It's not aggravating. It's not just something I have to do. It's something I get to do. And I need the encouragement that I get from church to make it the rest of the week. And people, they talk about their problems and how they are dealing with this and how rough they got it here. And, and well, when's the last time you've been to church? You need to get in church. You'd, you'd be surprised at how encouraging the Word of God would be to you. And if you're not going to church, I doubt that you're reading the Word. We are built through the church. You cannot bypass it. Number three, and i got to hurry up. Number three, we are in a battle with the contentious. Look in verse 7 and 8. I'm going to repeat verse 7. The Bible says, Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. So what are we doing? What are we seeing right here? Peter gives a strong contrast between those who believe and those who do not believe. And by the way, there is no middle ground to this thing. You either believe or you 
don't believe. Uh, I've heard it said, and I've even said it before uh, in previous years about straddling the fence, but the truth is, there is no fence to straddle. You're either on one side or you are on the other side. There is no middle ground. You believe or you don't. You live for God or you don't. You're saved or you're not. And to those who believe on the Lord Jesus, He is precious. Hallelujah. But those who don't believe, He is a problem. He's a problem. That's what this verse is telling us here. And let me tell you, the more that you depart, the more that you dine, the more you dedicate, the more you're going to stand in contrast to the culture of this world. And by the way, it's okay if you do that. It's okay. You don't need to be like the world. The Bible tells us to, that, that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Honey, I'm just visiting this planet. It's not my home. I'm not here to stay. I am sojourning. But you think about this. Jesus told us it would be like this. If, you, if you're a healthy, growing Christian, the more you depart daily, the more you dine daily, the more you dedicate yourself daily to the Word of God, to the church, to Jesus, the more you're going to stand out like a sore thumb in this world. And you know what Jesus said about it? He said in Matthew 24, 9, And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. He, in Luke chapter 6, verse 22, it says, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Yeah. John 17, 14 says this, I have given them my word. And the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I mentioned this in 1 John before. The world, if you were of the world, the world would love you. But children of God, you're not of the world. And just because of that reason, this world will hate us. Think about this, 1 John 3.13. Marvel not, my brethren if the world hate you. Don't be surprised. Don't wonder what's going on. If the world hates you. Peter tells the church that the Christ rejectors stumble because they have been disobedient to His Word. They've not believed the Word. And Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah, and yet the rulers and the builders still rejected Him. They stumbled because they were disobedient to what? The Word. By the way, men and women still stumble because they are disobedient to the Word. The stone that they rejected, though, will one day reject them. And that, my friend, is what they're not prepared for. Well, why does the world hate us? We're saved. What? This. The word. They stumble over the word. You know why they hey, hey, there's plenty, hey, there's plenty of people preaching today that you can be gay and be Christian at the same time. Why is it offensive to them to say no? It's because. This word says, no, it's not possible. 
Why do people get so bent out of whack when I say, you can't love the Lord and love your booze at the same time? You can't go out here and act any old way that you want and then come into the house of God and think everything's okay. Why do they hate that? Because that's what the Word says. Now anybody can cave in and go with the flow and people will be okay with it. we got plenty of churches doing that. We've got plenty of preachers that are doing that. And they're not making enemies. They're making friends. But you know what they're doing in the meantime? They are selling out God's Word. God's Word is the stumbling block. It is the entire problem. God's Word is, is what says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that there's not multiple destinations. And there's not multiple ways to get to heaven. And, and, and people fall out with Christianity because of what the Word of God. It says something they don't like and they can't handle it. You think about this. In Luke chapter 20, the stone that they reject will one day reject them. In Luke chapter 20, verse 17 and 18, here's what the Bible says. And he beheld them and said, What is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. Then listen to what Jesus says. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. What's he saying? Well, if you go back to the minor prophets there, and I can't remember which book off the top of my head, maybe Obadiah, or it could be Jonah, it could be, anyways, there's point. Anyways, one thing that you'll find over there is that the judgment of God is like a wheel in a mill. And what we find out, the teaching there is the judgment of God. The wheels grind slowly, but they grind exceeding small. And what's Jesus say? Whomsoever shall fall, shall, whomsoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken. Boy, I can't, I can't get, I can't get hung up on that. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. So what's going to happen? All these people that reject the stone, all the people that reject Jesus, judgment's coming. And they're going to be ground to powder. What does that mean, preacher? I still don't get... They're going to be destroyed. They will be destroyed. Hmm. In conclusion to this little series or these three messages... I just want to circle back around for a second and say that God isn't looking for perfection. Perfection is not possible this side of heaven. But what God is looking for is progress. And we can see the progress of a growing Christian in how that we depart daily and how that we dine daily and then how we dedicate daily. And so, how is it with you tonight? Are you a growing Christian or not? Let's stand and bow our heads and close our eyes tonight. Miss Dawn, you come play for us softly, please.